0: All right. Good morning, Central Church. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. There we go. How are you today? Awesome. Fantastic. If you're you're joining us online this morning, whether that's Facebook Live or our our website, um, we hope that through the the medium of the Internet, you experience the same presence and power of Christ that we're feeling here. This morning, if you're in the concourse, uh, not in the worship center this morning, we're so glad you're joining us. Uh, God bless you. Shirley Hale, good to see you this morning. Hope you're doing well, friend. Um, Hey, if you have a Bible this morning, please take it out and turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. If you find the New Testament, you're there. Matthew's the very first book of the New Testament. Chapter 7. We're continuing our series called Extraordinary. It's a study in Jesus' teaching uh, on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and seven. We are bringing this to a close. There's this week and one more week in the Sermon on the Mount, which means we will have been in three chapters of the Bible over the last eight months. Can you believe that? Eight months for three, not three books, three chapters in the Bible. So we've dug deep in the Sermon on the Mount. Hope it's been beneficial to you. Today, Jesus is going to talk about two gates, two gates. Let's pray. Lord, this morning as as we pray, we recognize your presence here and Lord, many are here this morning that aren't doing well, aren't doing well physically or emotionally or mentally or relationally. And we ask for healing. We ask, Holy Spirit, as you freely move in this place, that you would touch lives, even apart from the message and the, and the content of the message today, Lord, that you would minister with power. For those that need encouragement today, Lord, lift, lift their hearts, lift their spirits, bring peace and joy, uh, Holy Spirit, to their lives today. For those, God, that need wisdom and direction in life, big decisions. We we pray that you would be faithful to guide and to lead as a good shepherd. Uh, Lord, and as always, we pray this morning as we open up the pages of Scripture that, that Holy Spirit, you would teach us truth, you would help us to understand what we're reading and what we're hearing, and then the courage to apply it in our lives. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, and everyone said, Amen. amen, amen. Maybe it's the coach in me, maybe it's the athlete in me. I love shows on TV that push people to the limit to see if they have what it takes. Um, Shows like Survivor. I wasn't a huge Survivor follower, but I watched it enough to know that uh, often people were pushed emotionally or relationally or physically to the limit uh, in that. Um, American Ninja Warrior. Uh, Those folks are crazy in terms of their athleticism, Uh, mental fortitude and what I mean the people that win that they have what it takes I mean they're serious athletes that was always fun to watch and then a newer one special forces world's toughest test Uh, they they pull out 16 celebrities and put them through the training that someone in the military would go through if they wanted to be in special ops or special forces and uh, it's just just fun to watch some of these celebrities and athletes kind of get pushed over their own limits so we come to the end of the Sermon on the Mount And Jesus is done with his ethical teaching. And it's as though he turns to the people that have been listening and he says, do you have what it takes to be my disciple? Are you ready to walk in the opposite direction against the flow of your culture? Are you ready to be different? Are you ready to be weird? Are you ready to be seen as completely outside of the norm of the culture and society that you live in? Because that's what it means to be a disciple of Christ. Are you ready to be different? That's the call of Christ. And he asks us that after he's finished with all of this teaching that we've heard in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, let's read the verses as Jesus talks to us about these two gates in Matthew chapter seven, verses 13 and 14, Matthew seven, 13 and 14. Jesus says this, enter through the narrow gate. Say the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many, say many, who enter through it. For the gate is narrow and the way is constricted that leads to life and there are few who find it. Two gates. What does Jesus want us to know about these two gates? If you're taking notes this morning, you can follow along. The first is this, there's there's only one gate to choose. There's only one gate to choose. Even though he mentions two gates, there's only one to choose. Here's what he says. Verse 13, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. Notice Jesus says that we're only to enter the narrow gate. Nowhere in these verses does he say, or does he challenge us or command us to enter the broad gate, why is that? Because we've already entered the broad gate. We were born through the broad gate of sin. And we all now, all humanity is walking on the wide road. We already came through the wide gate because we were born in sin. Here's how Paul says it in in Ephesians chapter 2. He's speaking to Christians. He's speaking to the church. So if you are a Christ follower today, these words are being directed at you today you meaning you Christians were dead in your offenses and sins in which you previously walked that's a reference to before you came to know Christ so in your uh, pre-christ existence he says you you walked according to the course or the way or the road or the, the 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 system of the world you were walking the wide road all of us were born into the broad gate and now we're walking the wide road You were walking according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's a reference to Satan. Satan is the god of this world. Satan controls the the values, the ethics, the systems, um, the the direction of the world. Um, That's all under his influence. The spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, what he just said about the course of this world under the influence of Satan, we too, all all of us who are now Christians, we previously lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath or judgment, just as the rest of humanity, okay? Paul says a couple of really important things there. Uh, we were born into sin, we were born onto the wide road, And he says because of that, because we were born in sin, uh, according to Adam's sin, we inherited sin from Adam. Because of that, he says, we were by by nature, not by choice, not by action, by nature, children under God's judgment. So before you did anything, you were born in sin, you inherited Adam's sin, it's called original sin, and you were on the road to eternal destruction, right? Right? So you're saying that's not fair Jeff, why, why do I suffer the consequences of eternal destruction based on someone else's sin? Why, why does Adam represent me? Well Adam was our representative and through his sin we inherit that sin and I would agree with you that that's unfair unless God gave us another option, and unless God gave us another gate. Unless we didn't have to stay on this road and there was an off-ramp that he provided where we could have a different life, and he did. See, God so loved the world that he provided another gate. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him should not perish eternally, but have eternal life with God. God gave us another choice, another option. Let me illustrate it this way. Let's say that you lived in this beautiful city in a beautiful valley and this beautiful river ran through your city. That was your only supply of water. And that, that, that river originated up in the mountains and there were cities up in the mountains and when the snowpack would melt, um, it would, which never happens here, but when the, the snowpack <laughs> melts, it, the, the river would run through your city. The problem with your city is everyone is sick all the time and no one lives past the age of 20 years old. And so you, you just, that's just normal for you now, you just live, not feeling well, you just live in darkness, you just live in sickness, and no one lives past 20 years old. Well, a scientist from another city comes to your city, and he says, what is, what is going on here? This isn't normal. And he begins to do some research. He does some water analysis, and he finds out that there's toxins and pollutants in this river that's causing everybody to be sick and die at the age of 20. And he realizes that the cities, uh, up in the mountains, we're, we're uh, distributing, dumping pollutants and toxins into the river and causing your sickness. Well, that's not fair, but he says this, he says there, there's an, an easy cure. He says, you, you, you can still you know, drink that water and be, and be cured from that 100% uh, survival rate if you want it, but it's a little bit costly. Well, how many of you would, would, would pay the price and live a more full life? and live a better life if that was possible. Well, we inherited the pollutants from Adam, but, but God has given us a different path, an option, another route that we can take. So yes, we are on the, the road that leads to destruction because of Adam's sin in our life, but Jesus has created a new way, amen? There's another gate, it's called the Jesus gate that we can walk through, that God offers to us. So, so now everyone in the world has this choice. We can can keep walking on the the, the wide road, the road of destruction, or we can choose Christ. See, God doesn't send anyone to hell. We choose hell when we reject the Jesus gate, the gate that God has provided. So we're we're walking on this road, but you're not limited to that road. That's the whole nature of the gospel. That's the message is, is God has given us a way to have eternal life with him apart from the sin that we're living in now. And many of you have have walked through the Jesus gate, the narrow gate, the way of salvation. The second thing that Jesus wants to know about this gate is, is the gate determines the road we travel. The gate determines the road that we travel. Let's look at the text again. Enter through the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. The way is broad that leads to destruction and there are many who enter through it. The gate is narrow and the way or the road is constricted or narrow that leads to life and there are are few who find it. The, The gate that you walk through determines the way that you live. The gate determines the road. So all of us are on as we're born into this world, we're born into sin, we are on the wide road. The the wide road, the the, the wide gate that that you walk through is represented by living according to the world's values, the world's ethics, the world's system, uh, all of the things related to the world. When you walk through the narrow gate, you walk on the narrow road, that's different. Now you are, you are walking according to, because you've been changed by the Holy Spirit, you're walking according to the teachings of Christ. You're walking according to the character of Christ. The, the broad road or the wide road is marked by brokenness. It's the road that, that, that you just never quite seem to find what you're looking for. It's this wide road that everybody's traveling in, and no matter how much money you have, no, no, matter, no matter how much wealth you have, no matter how much popularity you have, no, no matter how much pleasure you have in that life, it never satisfies. It's never enough when you're walking the, the, broad, the broad road. The, the narrow path is different. On the narrow path, life is still hard, but there's this deep-seated sense of meaning and purpose. I get it, it makes sense. I understand life when you walk the Jesus road. The, the, the broad road, it, remember, there's many people traveling on it. The narrow road, not so much. So when you, when you walk on the broad road, you basically blend in with everybody in culture. You're not different, there's nothing distinct about you. You, you, you. you walk in the manner that everyone else is walking according to the world's values, the world's ethics, the world's philosophies, the world's system. You're, you're just in the crowd. But when you walk through the narrow gate, the road is different. Suddenly you are are called to be separate from the world. Look at this picture. When you choose the narrow gate and walking the narrow road, suddenly you are walking in the opposite direction of everybody for the most part in the world except for Christian people. And remember, most of the people in life are not Christians. So, So suddenly you're being asked to stand out. Jesus said, do you have what it takes to be my disciple? Are you ready to walk against the nature and the flow of culture? Because that's what it means to be my follower. If you are in middle school or high school or college, would you, would you listen intently to me for just a minute? What does it mean for you? What does it mean for you to follow Jesus right now where you're living? What is hard right now? about being different. If you're gonna follow Jesus Christ on your campus with your friends, what is it that's difficult for you right now to say, I, I'm coming up against opposition. Everyone doesn't believe like me. Everyone doesn't live like me. Everybody doesn't think like me. I, I have a different value system. So what is it right now that's the most difficult thing for you like that picture? You may feel like you're walking alone. Do you have what it takes to be a disciple of Jesus? because he calls us to be different and distinct from the world. Christians have always been challenged by Scripture to be different from the values of the world, whether it was slavery or abortion or marriage, whether it's more, more contemporary issues like, like gender issues or LGBTQ, whatever it is, in, in every culture there are these values and morals that get imposed on followers of Christ, and if they're not biblical, we have to resist those. So we find ourselves walking against The very course and flow of traffic in our lives in this world. Entering the narrow gate means not living by the world's values. So let me say this you can't enter the narrow gate, you can't enter the Jesus gate, and then think you can keep walking on the broad road. Are you hearing me this morning? you you can't enter the Jesus gate and then think I'm going to continue to walk with everybody else in culture where culture is heading because culture is walking away from Christ do you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ it's only going to get harder in our culture to be a disciple of Jesus and walk in the way that he wants us to walk. Not only do people, you know, are, are we not supposed to do it? I don't know that we can do it. Because here, here's the thing, when you walk through the narrow gate and you begin to walk the narrow road with Christ and Jesus brings meaning to your life and he begins to change you from the inside out, your heart has changed, your values change, your mission change, your purpose has changed. If you continue to try to walk on the broad road, you're gonna be miserable. Because you don't share those values. You can, you can keep trying to live in the world. You can keep trying to live on the broad road. You're going to be the most miserable person ever because you are not created by Jesus to do that. You're going against the very flow and direction of the Holy Spirit in your life that's leading you away from a sinful life, away from an immoral life. So if you keep resisting that and try to walk on the wide road after you've entered the narrow gate, it doesn't work. Are you ready to be a disciple of Jesus a follower of Christ it means going against culture here's what Jesus said just a few verses later in Matthew chapter 7 he said a good tree produces good fruit a bad tree produces bad fruit a good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit Jesus is talking about people and their spiritual orientation People that are following God, people that have had their hearts changed by God, they're going to bear the fruits of a relationship with God. That's the good tree. The bad tree is the one that doesn't know God. The one that is living on the broad road, living for the pleasures of this life, living for this world and this world's values. He's making a distinction between people. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. You see, The life that you're living reveals the road that you're walking on. Which road are you walking on? Good trees don't produce bad fruit. Bad trees don't produce good fruit. Bad trees that don't produce fruit are cut down and when he says thrown into the fire, that's a reference to eternal judgment. In other words, you're continuing on that broad path to eternal destruction, separation from God. He he says, yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their, your lifestyle. Your lifestyle reveals the gate that you've walked through. Your lifestyle reveals the road that you're actually on. So we are to live for Christ. We are to live by His values and His teachings and live according to His character. The third thing Jesus wants us to understand about these two gates is the road is not the destination. The road is not the destination. Here's what He says. Enter through the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. Okay, so there's, a, there's an end to this. It's, it's eternal things. It's eternal destruction or eternal life. The road is not the end. The road is a means to the end. And there are many who enter through it for the gate is narrow and the way or the road is constricted that leads to life. And there are few who find it. So the road or the way that we live is not the destination. The the road leads to the destination. The destination is eternal life. The destination is what happens after we die. We enter the gate, we walk the road of life, and then we move on to eternal life. So when, when my kids were growing up, when they were, I don't know, four, five, six, through eight years old, somewhere in there, we would, we would pack them in the van and take them across country sometimes on vacation for two or three weeks. And this is what it looked like. Back in the day, there were, there were no seatbelt laws. We would pull out the middle seat in the van and they'd just go wild running around while we're driving across country. Um, fun then, but it was legal. Uh, sorry, you have to sit in seatbelts now. You can't do those kinds of things anymore. Um, but, but for us, the, the, the journey or the road was the destination in many ways, right? It was being together. It was having fun. It was getting our kids laughing with each other instead of with their friends and, and horsing around, all of those things. Being with each other was part of the destination, right? So the road was the goal, but not spiritually. Spiritually, the road, this life, is not the destination. Our destination is eternal life. Hallelujah. And the problem is the world has flipped that. The world has confused it. And they believe that, that this life is all there is. So they live for this life. They don't live for eternity. They, they think the destination is the road. They think the destination is, is this life. So all of their investment is in pleasure. This life. Finding meaning in this life. Finding purpose in this life. Investing in temporal things. They're not investing in the true destination. They're they're confused about it, but but we shouldn't be. Our, Our destination should be eternity, and therefore we live our lives. We are on a road that is not only preparing us for eternity, but helping others see that the destination isn't this life. And helping as many people as possible enter the narrow gate. Amen? The road is simply the way to our eternal destination. The world thinks the road is the destination. So my question this morning is, what are you living for? Have you confused that? Is your life just being poured into temporal things? This life without much thought for what happens when you die? Like where are your priorities? Are they just temporary and temporal? Or are your priorities eternal? Do you frame your life not in in what happens in the next 10 or 20 or five or 15 or 30 years that I live, but am I preparing myself for life after death? At Central, we believe, our mission statement is this. we, we, We exist to equip you or to help you share the love of Jesus with your relational world. That's why we exist. In other words, we exist to find and help as many people as we can enter through the Jesus gate. That's why we exist. So that the people in your relational world, the people in your oikos, you are helping them to see they don't have to stay on the road to destruction. They don't have to walk the broad road. There has been given to them a narrow gate, the Jesus gate, and they have a different way of life if they wanna choose it. That's our goal. So we were sitting in, in a meeting a few weeks back. I was with Dusty Hoffman. Dusty is our, uh, our liaison to, the, to TTI, which is an organization called the Timothy Initiative, which does church planting globally. And we are focusing church planting in Ethiopia where we have another of other ministries. So we're in that meeting with Dusty Hoffman and with Pastor Nathan, our outreach pastor, and Tom Rich, my executive pastor. And and Dusty was sharing with us a problem that TTI has. And he said this. He said, when we plan our budget, our annual budget, we recognize that that we start with a a certain number of guys that want to be church planters and they go through a two-year program. During that two-year program, Many of them fall, fall away, they drop out of the program. So we, we budget it for, we, uh, we, we assume and, and plan for some not finishing the course. So we, we don't even budget for everybody that started. He said the problem is this year we started with 3,000 and now we have 4,400. So not only did they not drop out, they added 1,400 guys that want to go plant churches in Ethiopia. I said, wow, that's, that's a great problem. He said, he said, yeah, but we didn't budget for it. I said, well, well how much money would it cost to get those, those extra 1,400 church planters through their training so they can get out and plant churches? He said, $560,000. <clears> it's about 400 per church planter. I said, okay, well, <clears throat> let's say the money was there and, and those 1400, extra 1,400 guys went out to plant churches. What would that mean in terms of people finding Christ? How many people would enter the narrow gate? And he said, our statistics are pretty consistent all the way through in Eastern Africa. Every church planter usually leads this many people to Christ, plants this many churches. He said it would be probably around 55,000 new converts. I mean, how do you, how do you, how do you deal with the fact that you mean if we, just, if we invest that kind of resource 55,000 people could get off the road to destruction, enter the narrow gate and have eternal life for just $560,000. Yeah. I said, you know what, we we feed our students pizza on Wednesday night. We pay for pizza on Wednesday night. We spend a lot of money on other things that don't go directly to leading souls to Christ. Why wouldn't we wanna invest some money, some cash and capital into guaranteeing people will come to know Christ? I said, this is craziness. Yeah, we need programs. We need to disciple people and help them grow in the Lord. And that's why we, we, we you know, have certain ministries and we pay for those. But my goodness, if we, if we could just put some money forth and 55,000 people at a minimum, in every, in every, in every church that they plant, they assume 39 people are going to come to know Christ. And then from that church, how many people will that church reach for Jesus? I said, I'm in. I don't know how, but I'm in. And so we talked to our leadership team about it. We went to the elder board about it. And we've been talking about it and praying about it. And, and the elders have decided to give $250,000 out of reserves to put toward this $560,000 to reach 55,000 souls for Christ. <clears throat> and we want you to be a part of the other 310,000. And, and I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that you share my heart, that if you have the opportunity to make a financial investment into seeing people where we are, we have a significant hand in ministry in Ethiopia. If you would want to partner with us to see 55,000 people come to know Christ, Pastor Nathan's going to tell you how we can do that.
1: We we have a lot of partners in Ethiopia that it's an honor to work with and to serve alongside. Uh, We don't have uh, anything like the Timothy Initiative. Uh, it's amazing to see these people and their passion for Christ and the work that they're doing in places where, quite honestly, I don't even want to visit on vacation and they're pouring their lives into these places. Uh, what's so great about the Timothy Initiative is we know these guys. Uh, we, we've, we've sat down at a table with them. Uh, They're our friends. Just two weeks ago, Kendra, Michael, who's going to be our missionary in Ethiopia, was at Millian's house, the director of TTI Ethiopia, talking about our partnership with them, talking about this great problem that they have, that they have 1,400 extra church planners. Uh, I've had the opportunity to stand on the stages of their churches, these these little church plants that TTI has, uh, and to share my testimony and to talk about you all and how much you love them and pray for them had the opportunity to give Bibles to new believers through the Timothy Initiative and to see, uh, to go to baptisms. Baptisms like you wouldn't believe, hundreds of people getting into this like river, they're traveling like across the desert to get in this river because they wanna commit their lives to Christ in a public way through water baptism. Uh, We love uh, TTI and the work they're doing, and if you want to join us on this mission, it's $400 for the full program for a church planner, but $40 helps, or or $4,000 if that's what you want to do. Whatever it is that you feel like the Lord might be leading you to, we've got a couple different ways you can give. Uh, One of those is right here on this little card. It shows you just go to our normal giving page, and you choose the option TTI Churches. If you have cash or check and you want to give physically in a couple weeks, we'll have an offering envelope in the bulletin and you can give that way. Uh, we're going to run uh, this, this program through Palm Sunday because uh, it's going to be uh, a celebration on Easter morning when we get to stand up here on the stage and say, because of your faithfulness, because of the faithfulness of God's church here at Central, we are blessing the church of God in Ethiopia and we have this many new churches, which is going to we pray in faith eventually lead to this many new souls entering the narrow gate. And so take some time, talk to your spouse, pray about it, give where the Lord is leading, but I promise you, you won't regret it. And someday we will be with the great cloud of witnesses in heaven celebrating alongside our Ethiopian brothers and sisters who make these decisions for Christ.
0: So $400 is nothing for some of you, $4,000, $40,000 might be you know, nothing for some of you. I want to address high school, college students right now that don't have a lot of money. Man, pray about this. See what, what number the Lord puts in your mind. It might be $10. It might be $20. It might be less than I don't know what it is, but participate in this. Put something out there for God to, to work in your faith and see what, he, see what He does. Okay, back to the two gates. The last point, what does Jesus want us to know about these two gates? The gate determines the destination. The gate determines the destination. So Jesus says this, The gate is narrow and the way or the road is constricted that leads to life. The gate determines the destination. If our destination, if our our eternal destination was based on the road, which is the life that we live, then our salvation would be based on human works, wouldn't it? In other words, if if it was based on us and the kind of life that we live and the road that we're traveling, then we could somehow say that we, we live the kind of life that earned eternal life. But it's not the road that determines your destination. It's the gate. You either enter the gate of sin and end up in eternal destruction or you enter the gate of Jesus Christ and you end up in eternal life with Him. That's why the gate comes at the beginning of the road the gate doesn't come after the road you enter the gate then you walk the road you enter the sin gate and walk the wide road or you enter the Christ gate and you walk the narrow road in relationship with him Jesus said I am the gate we we enter eternal life only through Christ not our human effort we don't save ourselves so in, in John chapter 10 verse 9 Jesus said this he said yes I am the gate those who come in through me will be saved They will come and go freely and find good pastures. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 2. God saved you by his grace when you believed, not by human effort. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about. We didn't live a good life. We didn't travel a good road. That's not why we have eternal life with God. It's because of the gate that we entered, period. It's entering through Jesus Christ and his merits and what he did that we have salvation and eternal life. Let me, let me try to illustrate this with a little story from Luke chapter eight. Some of you may remember this story. There was a woman, and if, you, if you've watched The Chosen, this was a great scene in The Chosen where this woman with this issue of blood, this menstrual issue, wanted to, to get close enough to Jesus to be healed. She'd heard about him. She, she'd heard that he had healed people. She knew that he had, had changed people's lives. And she said to herself, if, if I can just touch him, if I could even just touch his prayer cloth, his, his garment, I'll be healed. And so when Jesus came through her town, it says that she mustered up her strength and she said, I have faith to believe that Christ can heal me. And so she pushed through the crowd. She pressed through the people. There was a throng of people around Jesus and it was difficult for her to press through. And it says that when she touched Jesus, power came from Jesus into her and she was healed immediately. Remember the story, Jesus said, who touched me? Wait, somebody touched me, power came out of me. Was it the woman pushing through the crowd that healed her? No. What if she would have pushed through, through, through the crowd and touched anybody else, would she have been healed? No, it wasn't the fact that she pushed through the crowd. It was the fact that she believed that if she touched Jesus, his power would change her. And it's the same with us. Salvation is simply believing that if you, if you touch Christ, if you walk through by faith the Jesus gate, his power will come into your life and you'll be changed. Raise your hand this morning if you've, if you've entered the Jesus gate and experienced His life-changing power. Anybody this morning? You walked through that gate, and like the woman that that put her hand on His garment, life-changing power flowed into you, changed your heart, changed your values. Suddenly, you had no interest on walking the broad road anymore. You wanted to walk the narrow road with Jesus. Everything about your life had changed because you simply put your trust in Christ. That's what it means to be saved. People in your relational world Many don't know about the Jesus gate. You have family members, you have friends that have never entered through that gate. They they don't know what it means to experience Christ in reality. And it's our responsibility to tell everyone in our relational world what it means to know Christ. And to encourage them, like we do here at Central, to walk through the narrow gate and have their life completely changed. If you haven't walked through the gate of Jesus yourself, yourself, you're still on the road to destruction. But God offers a gate that leads to heaven. Jesus said, there's only one gate we choose. The the other was chosen for us. But you don't have to be stuck with that gate. He offers you a new gate. Like the people listening to Jesus' sermon that day on the mountain by the Sea of Galilee a lot of people go to church regularly and they hear the teachings of Christ they may even be inspired by those teachings they they may love the feeling of coming to church or sitting at the feet of Jesus on the side of the Sea of Galilee and hearing him tell these marvelous things about life they may even leave church and try to put it into practice it seems so right it seems so good i'm gonna i'm gonna try to live differently yeah but you've never walked through the gate you've never surrendered your life to christ like the people sitting on the shores of the sea of galilee this is so cool i think we should probably try some of this jesus gets to the end of this message he says do you want to follow me? Walk through the gate. Don't, don't walk away and go, That was a wow, that was cool. That was a great teaching. I, I'm glad I came today. No. I'm calling you to be a disciple. I'm calling you to follow me. I'm calling you to be different. I'm calling you to walk through this gate. I will change your life. You will never want to go back to the wide road if you come and follow me. It's not going to be easy. But I'm calling you. Would you stand with me this morning? I wonder who that is in this place this morning. I wonder who Jesus is talking to right now and saying, you've heard it, but you've never walked through the gate. You've never put your trust in me completely to save you. Would you bow your heads this morning? And as you do that, if you're here this morning and Jesus, that's, he's talking right to you. Would you just put your hand up? I I wanna pray with you, put your hand up. Who is that? You can put it down, thank you. Put your hand up, thank you, I see that, yep. Who else? You want to walk through the gate today? Put it up, wave to me so I can see. Thank you. You can put it down. Way up there on the top. Thank you. I see that. Yep, yep, yep. You're ready. You're ready to walk through the gate. Would you pray this with me this morning? In your heart, say, Jesus, I know that I've sinned. I, I know that I've messed my life up. But I have hope this morning. Like like the woman that, that touched you and had her life change that was filled with your power that you could actually change my life through forgiving my sin so Jesus I ask you right now to forgive my sin wash it away please Lord everything I've done wrong in my life I know I can't make up for it but you did so Lord right now in this moment I want to enter the gate I want to I want to put my faith in you and I ask that you would like the woman fill me with your Holy Spirit change me Lord right now in this moment change my desires change my values change my perspective in life give me hope show me that you're real so, so i can walk the narrow road and get off of this broad destructive road i invite you into my life in jesus name and everybody said Amen. Now listen, one more thing. If you raised your hand or you prayed that prayer this morning, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. Remember, Jesus calls us to be different. Not worry about the crowd. Not worry about what people are saying. I'm going to ask you right now, as we dismiss, to come to the front. There's going to be some people up here to pray with you. I want you to tell them, I made the decision today to walk through the Jesus gate. Would you pray with me? All right. God bless everybody else. Have a great day today.